Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. It's Trevor here and I'm joined in by Brandon and Caden and today we're going to be discussing not only USFL Season 2 stats, but uh, get some of Brandon's opinions on the league, some of the quality of play, some of the games, as well as the championship game, um, maybe some of his favorite players as well, but we're also going to be discussing some recent NFL signings from the USFL, um, as well as some new additions to the USFL in this offseason so far. It's pretty awesome to see them already making moves, some of these teams uh, making moves right after the championship game because they have to address needs for next season. And um, we already uh, saw the Panthers and the Gamblers make some additions. And it uh, looks like um, could be some interesting switch-ups next year for some of these players. Nick Vogel, cousin of Zach Galifianakis, and their long snack snapper from the Gamblers. Uh, both were not on the rosters a couple days ago for the Gamblers, and the Gamblers signed a new long snapper and a new kicker, and uh, maybe Nick Vogel could be a stallion next year, and, you know, get to see him uh, get even better at his at his craft. Maybe, I'd like to see maybe. that, but... Uh, he was kind of selling a little bit last season, I'm yeah. not going to lie. He, he wasn't bad. Probably one of the better kickers in season one, but then in season two, yeah. he had a little bit of a slip up here and there. I, but, I, would, I would say he wasn't on the better side this season, but uh, definitely somebody who, who has shown that he can be a good kicker in a spring league. But uh, Another yeah. signing was Gunnar Oaks, Gunner tight end for the Michigan yeah. Panthers. And he was, he was a draftee, right? He was, actually. Uh, un, undrafted, but he went to uh, Atlanta. Not me, a USFL draftee. Oh, yeah. USFL draftee, seventh round draft pick uh, before the season last year, but he was an undrafted um, free agent after the draft this year, um, went to Atlanta, uh, got into a mini camp there, and just wasn't, you know, I guess they didn't they didn't see anything there. Yeah. Um. So he went to the Panthers, and we're gonna see him next season. Maybe he can get some good tape out there. This fucking guy is huge. This is the Michigan Panthers. Yes, the Michigan Panthers. This guy is massive. Like he is a. Big ass tight end, so we'll we'll see what he can do. Maybe in the pass catching game in the like, USFL, he legit looks like an oak tree. He, he looks like he looks like a like a fucking O lineman. He does. He he really does. So shout out to those guys who are recently signed, and then um, kind of the big news of the USFL kicker Brandon Aubrey for the Birmingham Stallions is now on the Dallas Cowboys. Fighting Irish, most likely will be the starting kicker going into next year. They don't have one. No, they don't. Um, and then also Josh Peterson, Doug Peterson's son, was also signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he had a pretty solid season in the USFL, good blocker. You know, I want to see Louis Aguilar get pulled up. I would like to see, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that as well. But, Not uh, Frank Bunda? I would like to see Frank Bunda get pulled up, but uh, I don't think that he will. It just you know, Linebacker is such a, a hard position to play in, in the NFL, and I don't really think they're going to be looking towards... A spring league to fill a you know, starting mm. linebacker need, but but maybe they can bring him on for a practice squad and possibly a backup. Yeah, that's always a possibility for sure. But um, definitely shout out to at this point Brandon Aubrey and Josh Peterson, um, two players from the USFL that are in the NFL now. So shout out to those guys. Uh, worked hard for it, and there should be a bunch more names coming out uh, probably by the end of this week and just moving forward into training camp and stuff like that. So. Uh, definitely keep your eye out on our Twitter and Instagram for news like that at Tea Time Reports. And um, I just want to maybe get into some questions for Brandon here because he kind of he came in around week seven ish and, and started watching. 
uh, the games and was able to finish out, you know, watch the playoffs, watch the championship game. Brandon, what were your thoughts on, I guess, the USFL in general, if you want to dive in, uh, dive into that? Yeah, for sure. And I want to start by just saying thank you for getting me into this league in general because it's been a blast so far and it's sort of filled a void that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and just giving me football that, like we've established time and time again, if you're just able to set, a, set apart the fact that it's not the NFL, it never will be the NFL, and it's the USFL and you got to accept it for what it is. And once you do that, you'll really understand what this league is and I more so appreciate what this league can give you as a fan of sports, as a fan of football, storylines, whatever you want to get into. Mm. And and that's whether it's you want to start with the production or the ownership of the league or some of the former players who were former first round draft picks are in the league or just former names and coaches that we know. There's so many ways to sort of dive into getting a connection or getting a fandom with this lead or a team or a player. And I quite, I sort of saw that on all fronts, whether it was player, coach, team, production. You know, I was a fan of the production. It's just like Fox's NFL production, one that's on Fox, obviously. NBC's production is always good as well. USA, we've talked about, not the biggest fan of, of them. Just They should just stick to baseball and hockey. Yeah, anything. I agree. Um, but anyways, or if it's Alex Magoo on the field as a player or Skip Holtz on the sideline as a coach, you know, I have a sort of a personal affection to him. Kind of sounds a little weird, pause. <laughs> but being a Notre Dame fan, yeah. uh, being a Notre Dame fan and him being the son of Lou Holtz, yeah. um, just coaching legend for the Irish, it just goes without being said who that is. And I sort of develop a fandom for the Stallions as well because – even off the field, their general manager, Zach Potter, 22 years old, mm. as a general manager of a professional, a semi-professional yeah. football league in the spring, and now he's a back-to-back USFL champion. <laughs> two rings, man. At that's 22 years cool. old. And I was just reading up on him, too, and that's probably the most fascinating story from the lead as a whole that I've taken away from being introduced this year is just him and his story in general, and he wanted to... Just like any other average kid, wanted to be a quarterback one day as a middle schooler growing up in Iowa, but he stood a mere four eleven, five foot tall, and by the time he reached high school, he was only five foot nine, and had dreams of being like a Russell Wilson type guy. But everyone just told him you're not going to work. You're too small. You're too small, and just never really panned out because of his size. But he sort of took that same ambition and motivation and just translated it to being all right. What can I do in the sport of football? that's still as close to the field as possible, but not on the field. And that's on the sideline or with the organization as a coach, whatever it might be. And he just took all that same dedication and everything and just put it towards watching film and researching the game and studying players and just watching film hours and hours and hours. And He graduated um, high school at 16. Yeah, he had his <laughs> A at 18. And he would just find out, and he would just watch tapes on individual players and find out what makes them great. And... Now, like I said, he's 22 years old, has two rings in the USFL as a general manager. Like, that goes without being said, you know? Yeah. It just kind of leaves you speechless. So, it, as a whole, man, even even with my bets, you know, we'll touch on that. I came in week seven, but from week seven to the end of the playoffs, I was 12-9 and nine with my bets, you know? And like you said before, it just goes to show that we do know a little bit of football. I do know a little bit of football myself. And even coming in towards the latter part of the season with this USFL lead, you can sort of tell right away who's good who isn't and that's one of the first things you guys were telling me too with this league 
and it makes it a little bit easier to bet, you know, yeah. and win some money. So make sure you always tune in to Tea Time Reports on Instagram, Twitter. We're always going to have those bets for you. And we're even going to stem into other things like NFL, baseball, even do a little bit of basketball before the season ended as well. However, just going back to what stood out to me the most was just, even though it was a spring league, there wasn't that many moments where I was like, oh, wow, this is just terrible. Yeah. That makes sense, no. you know? Like, I've seen just as many bonehead plays and things happen like I did in the USFL, in the NFL, in college football, you know? It happens every on every field. Yeah. It does. It's a tough game. And, like I said, once you get into the storylines and fall in love with just the level of football that you're still being able to perceive as a fan, even though it's not the NFL... Everybody in the NFL, those are the only people in the world that can play football at an elite level or semi-elite level, you know? Yeah. And what this does is it gives those other players and other people a stage to broadcast and show what they have, you know, to the world. Even if it's something they just want to do for fun or something that they're trying to still reach their lifelong goal of making the NFL, you know? And just overall, just a very successful start for my fandom as the USFL and seems to be a successful start for the USFL as a league after these last two seasons you know already yeah. confirmed for year three it's just everything just seems to be going up and up for the lead for the attendance for the teams whatever it might be you know um, and so you, you said you were kind of a Stallions guy and yeah. a Skip guy Skip Holtz and Alex Magoo but any other players that kind of stuck out to you the most that you kind of wanted to maybe shout out I was Doing some shout-outs for sure. Uh, there's, last honestly, episode, but. there's honestly a long list of them. Yes, I feel that pain. And I, I'm, I'm going to feel bad for not even getting all the names out there, but whether it's just names I've never heard of that are just sort of make, making their name now from this league or names, like I said, that are former first-round picks like Ruben Foster or just former NFL draft picks like Trey Quinn, Corey Coleman, you know, um, Breland Speaks. There's a lot of former NFL talent or NFL caliber players that we've seen play at an NFL level in this league playing. Um, or, if it's, or it's Mikel Bethel-Thompson coming from the um, CFL, CFL and yeah. being a well-established veteran and winner over there and having him lead the lead in passing yards this year. Or Case Cook is someone I've never heard of before the USFL and just watching him and watching the, the heart and the passion and the integrity that he plays with and I know you've sort of said before that's one of your favorite players that you've ever oh, watched. Definitely. And definitely. And he even has Corey Coleman as a receiver. Um there's another isn't there another receiving threat on that team as uh, well? Who's the tight end for this start? Um it was no, Pro Wells. Pro Wells or um we also Jordan have, Sewell or yeah, Jordan Sewell. We also have a deep with deep Oh, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Cole Hickettini from the Panthers. Oh yeah, Cole Hickettini, um, former Louisville and New York Giant player as well. I think had like five, six reception touchdowns this year. Had a great season. Shout out yeah. to him or Jay Sternberger, best tight end in the league probably. Um, former NFL draft pick as well. Someone um someone else that really stood out to me as well was Mark Thompson. Yes, like definitely. the first week of watching USFL, like we said already, was week seven. And at this point, I think he already played four or five games but had nine rushing touchdowns or some absurd shit like yeah, that. Yeah, he was going off. And there was a couple times towards the end of the season where he did get stopped and there wasn't much, but they were kind of one-dimensional, you know? And Bahar was their quarterback too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of goes without <laughs> saying. As far as just, like, performances there that you kind of witness and you're like, all right, this is a USFL. Bahar was definitely one of those performances. Yeah. 
Um, but even the kickers, whether it was uh, Chris Blewett, that's his first name, right? Yeah, From Chris Pittsburgh. Blewett. He had a couple moments where he did blow it, but yeah. overall, he was a very good kicker. Dude, very reliable kicker. He hit like a 59 yard and missed him, like man. a 33 yarder. I, I don't know how you do that, but you do it. <laughs> yeah, he did it. That's Chris um, Blewett. He blew it. Or, like we already talked about, Brandon Aubrey, going to the Cowboys, um, came from the Stallions, former Notre Dame fight in Irish as well. You appreciate that stuff, you know? And if if it's not for the USFO or just these spring leads in general, we don't see this, you know? No. We don't have this extra added depth or layer to the storylines of NFL or players or just football in general. Yeah, you know, I agree. But... Um, just moving forward, like you, you did touch on McLeod Bethel Thompson. Caden was even talking about it too a couple of weeks ago. He's like, yeah, we may have just seen his last season, yeah, and better. he played he played twenty games in three hundred and he played twenty games in a year. The last person to do that is Steve Young in nineteen eighty five. Mm. So just keep that in mind when you think about McLeod Bethel Thompson. And, like, and once he won three Grey Cups as well in Canada. I mean, he's he's an established veteran. One of the greatest uh, got, spring league got quarterbacks Got the Breakers ever. to a you know, second playoff appearance. He, he didn't he wasn't with them in year one. It was Kyle Slaughter. Mm-hmm. But uh, McLeod... Another NFL backed yeah. up for a while. But uh, McLeod definitely didn't have a slouch year. Put up some good numbers and their offense wasn't... You know, wasn't any gimme, but like they just didn't perform in the playoff mm-hmm. game, sadly. But you did touch on some really good players there, and like you said, you I, I feel like I'm doing a disservice by not mentoring some so many others. But um, even even Josh Love with the Michigan Panthers, we were just talking about um, yesterday too. He sort of dropped a little teaser for year three, announcing he's coming back, which is which is good because even going with Alex Magoo, with he kind of just. I guess initiated the my initial spark for the league and just I took it and ran with it from there because man is he fun to watch. Yeah, like, he is. If you're a fan of football or just a fan of athletic ability, I guess, and just entertainment and just fucking sparks on the field, Alex Magoo was your guy, and he just always kept you on the edge of your seat. But like, what I was gonna say is obviously. We're sort of expecting him to get a shot at the NFL or get some calls, and you want to see that happen for any player, any guy, especially someone you're a fan of. But at the same time, you want to be a little selfish, and you don't want to see him leave the USFL. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And there's people on, you know, especially Twitter and like people from Birmingham, like sports accounts and stuff, calling for Birmingham, the city, to literally like come up with a contract for Magoo because like they they want to keep him there. Hey, and one of the if not the fastest growing sports markets in the country. Yeah, Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. They, that whole place is kind of blowing up hey, as shout well. out to Magoo, though. Tampa boy. Yes. He needs to come back. And if any, if he goes to any NFL team, I want to see him go to the Buccaneers. It would make sense, too. I mean, if... You know, we were ta- I feel like we were talking about a couple episodes. If well, the P.J. Walker was you know, to beat out Baker Mayfield in, in Carolina, then why can't Alex Magoo do it in Tampa? I agree with that. But, um... Alex Magoo was third in the entire league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's a, he's a quarterback. <laughs> Mark Thompson had 14 and 8 games played. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we saw not only potentially McLeod Bethel Thompson, a, a historic spring league quarterbacks last season, but we also did get to witness potentially the best running back spring season of all time. Yeah, even with West Hills, too, 10 touchdowns in 10 games. Led the lead in rushing yards as well, no slouch. No slouch How did I forget about C.J. Marable? You can't. <laughs> and 
He's a shout dog. out to him for showing the showing the, the the show and the page some love as well on the was that Twitter threads. Oh, Instagram? it was threads. Yeah, I think yeah. Which is basically Twitter. <laughs> Which is basically Instagram's new Twitter. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg's version of Twitter. Yeah, they got a whole thing going on there. Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> like, like that's, Zuckerberg like, said, "Fuck you." I, I asked Shiver to show me the home screen, and like, he opens it up, I just start dying laughing because it's, it's literally, it's literally it's Twitter, Twitter, bro. It's Twitter. Yeah, even with Luis Aguilar as a kicker as well. 94 points for the Stars as a, as a player. Bro, he, he was literally... He saved... Like, he won them, like, three games, bro. Franked into 104 tackles. Almost 300-some tackles in the last two years, I believe, wasn't it? Uh, I think it's over... Yeah, like you said, two like over 200 tackles in two seasons with the Panthers. and Bring the speech, nine sacks. He also had a really good year. Even Derek Dillon, the... Special teams player of the year as well, and wide receiver uh, for the Memphis Showboats. He had a he had a good year for them, man, and I think he can return back to that that form he was in and potentially start for a team. He has he yeah. ran a four two nine or four two eight at his pro day or something like that. It was really quick, um, and you saw that speed on on special teams, and uh, he he was honestly a very big part of the reason that mm. they went on that win streak of five games. Yeah. And one thing I definitely don't want to forget before we do is just the Pittsburgh Maulers and their story as a whole, just for the entire season. You know, one and nine last year. Obviously, I wasn't a fan of it to witness it at the time, but that's just what I've been told and going back in the years. They were the worst team yeah. last year. And you can kind of see that at certain times during this year, um, respectively. But to get to my point, what, they rebounded with four wins, five wins this year? For, uh well, they've in the won regular season. four times in the regular season, then, but the final three games, including the Northern Divisional Championship, they won three in a row in the last three, yeah. which won, they won when it mattered. Exactly. And they snuck in there with a good good defense. And they, I'm not saying, like, we're, we can touch on the championship game here, but, I mean, you know, you can shit on the Maulers all you want out there. And but I was at the start they, of the line. They, they kept it close. <laughs> it was 12-21. to 21. It was still attainable. They just got the fucking fumble off Magoo. It, it just their offense didn't score a fucking touchdown. Yeah. You can't win in the championship was, without that producing. That game was well in reach for them. It, it was there. It really was. And oh, Ishmael Hyman dropping that touchdown. That and killed it. Even that or the, the big guy handing off the ball forward. Into the... He was just so out of it, bro. <laughs> like Either way, like it was... If he, That's 14 if he points. It, 14 points yeah. off the board that you guys should have had. And those weren't even the two times where you did drop points. Yeah. it's And the defense kept them in it as they long really as they did. could. Like, they really did, bro. I mean, Reuben Foster played a one hell of a fucking and game, bro. I guess we'll even just transition into that. What a title game as well. Just oh, overall, yeah. Overall, that was a hell of a title game. Yeah. Not as good and, as year ones, but no. I will say the ratings. Fun. The ratings not as good as year one as well. Down only three percent, but, but that's not bad. No, you're, I feel like you're kind of expecting. Obviously, you always want to project growth, but based off what, just overall, if you if you're gonna headline the stars and the stallions, Case Tookus, and who was the quarterback for Stallions last year? Billy J. Mark Smith. Yeah. Then compared to the Stallions and the Maulers, obviously. The stars and the Stallions are gonna get a little bit more attention. And then that year, the Stallions only lost one game in the yeah. season. Exactly, and I just, I despite it being down viewership wise, it still it nearly gets one point two million. I think it's consistent. Like the numbers have, like overall throughout the entire season, down sixteen percent from last year. But like, 
overall we, consistent more than anything. And like, we kind of got everything we wanted from that title game, except a win for the Maulers. But yeah. whether it was Madhu's moment shining with just dropping absolute dimes of Deion Kane and just making throws that no one can do anything about. And even no, shout out to Deion Kane, too. Three touchdown performance, MVP of the game. Like, there was nothing, no defensive call for what Magoo no. was doing. No, but we did also have the moments where Magoo was getting rattled and the Maulers were getting to him and that defense was getting to him and their playmakers were making plays. Or we also did have the moments of drama and excitement where the Maulers were right there and they had those moments where, fuck, we could have just almost executed and scored there and we could have been up or we could have been in this game a lot closer than we were. Yeah. And it's overall, or it was just the drama-filled moments, like I said, from that strip sack and the defensive lineman handing the ball forward to the guy. Like You don't see that a lot, but that was an entertaining, drama-filled play. And we honestly thought they really just fucking did that. And we got seven points on the board, and we oh, that were going crazy. That would have been great, bro. But uh, like, like, like you were talking about, Deion Kane was going wild. And Alex Magoo was just dropping dimes. And the, the Maulers' defense did show up. It's just they weren't able to get enough on-field rest. They were just getting just overall just the attrition mm. taken out of them. Yeah. And, they're, I mean, you can ask them to go and perform the first four drives of the game. But after that, like, if you're not eating up clock on offense or even scoring fucking points other than field goals to keep them, you know, keep that morale up, then it just didn't happen. And the, you saw the difference. The recipe for success for beating the Panthers in the Northern Division Championship game was run the ball, eat the clock, and eat score. What? Eat the clock. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you almost got me there. You almost, you almost got me there. But, um, no, in, in general, though, they just didn't do that at all in the championship game. They didn't try and run the ball. They kept trying to take deep shots where it never worked all year. And it... You know, it showed they didn't eat up enough time. They didn't they didn't keep the other opposing offense off the field to keep them out of rhythm, and give their defense some rest. So, and that ultimately was their demise. They they did wound up getting you know a good amount of tackles for loss, a couple sacks here and there, but overall the defense just couldn't carry it to this one or done situation, uh, like they have the previous four times and five times, including that playoff win. But they did win a playoff game. From going one to nine to you know going to five and seven overall, I think that's impressive, man. You know, because yeah. I think they'll be back. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but uh, Ray Horton, you know, his, his only comment to skip after the game is, "I'm coming for you now." Oh, he was defiant after that loss, and he yeah. should have been. That that that's one thing we got to touch on. That officiating was the the punt call was a little rough. That punting play. That officiating was just very suspect, to say the least. It, yeah, but I, I would have said it was suspect if it was like more like crucial. Like the only crucial play that the the, the call was bad was that offsides, because like that motion that the Stallions did on the punt. But I I don't know. Like I I just feel like he was heated because nothing was really going his way overall, mm-hmm. especially on offense. But um, I think. You know, with an off season, Troy Williams will come in and potentially be my MVP candidate for year three. I think it's going to go back to another quarterback next year because I think you know more. The more time that these guys are in these systems, you saw what it was like. You saw Alex Magoo be like a little bit of a wild card, mm. a wild cannon. And Caden, you can even attest to this in year one. He's very emotional. Yeah, like who'd come in, throw two picks, get come benched. in, and get, yeah, you get benched, and then he 
go out there after JMR goes down yeah. and win the fucking game because he was poised. So, like, what do you think about that? And what do you think about the the process of being in a system, obviously, longer yeah. in these leagues? Mm-hmm. And what do you think it might do for Troy Williams? You know, I do think that uh, you can, you, know, you do have to uh, commemorate some of the, the growth in Alex Magoo to Skip Holtz and the fact that Skip Holtz is undeniably the best coach coach in this entire league. And uh, can it happen with Troy Williams? To me, I think that's a yes because he has the physical attributes to be a good quarterback. He has that league. dog in him. He does too. have that dog and has that mentality. But Alex Magoo is one of a kind when it comes to these spring league talents. And I do think that Troy Williams could be a special quarterback in this league, but could he grow to be as good as Alex Magoo? I don't think we're going to see you know, a, a QB season that good in a spring league for a very long time. Mm. I'm predicting Troy Williams next year. Okay. Mm. okay. 23 passing touchdowns. And, you know, maybe three rushing right touchdowns. Record, huh? Oh, yes. I, I can see this. I'm saying uh, two and eight. His receivers that'll catch those passes. Yes. But I think, again, it comes down to off-season and chemistry. Like they, they need to get a big man. Yeah, they need an X for sure. But I just think, just based on... Troy Williams' floor, it's already pretty high for me. Like, he doesn't make too many mistakes. Like, sometimes his accuracy might be his worst attribute. Mm -hmm. But I think he's a calculated runner, has a big arm, can drop dimes when needed. And it's just a matter of needing that chemistry with the receiver and him and obviously his OC being on the same page. But their offensive play calling this year in general is fucking terrible. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't expect any quarterback to put up monster numbers, mm. but he didn't turn over the ball a lot. Mm. Like, especially when it mattered. Like, he was n- very clean in that regard, but... The offensive oh, line issues, yeah. I feel like, need to be addressed as well. Very streaky. Yeah. Very yeah. streaky. There's some teams that are fucking good. Yeah. The Generals, actually, surprisingly good. Mm. They just did not have a good play-calling sheet as well. No dynamic I, play calls. Whether it's with Troy Williams or Horton at the coach... Or is it Horton Norton? Uh, Ray Horton. Ray Horton. You guys are set up for success and a bright future. Um, and it just starts with Ray Horton. He has that mentality and that dog in him as well. And it sort of relays to Troy Williams perfectly. And I think that's a great combination. That's only going to just succeed going forward. And Ray Horton even came out and said it. Like, we don't take moral victories. Like, fuck that. Like, we're going to... Take this with a chip on our shoulder, and we're gonna come back. We're gonna be a fucking force for years in the USFL, and like we're gonna be one of the shining fucking forces of the league. And that's just whether it goes with the Pittsburgh culture, the just the mentality of that city, and what we know for Pittsburgh, and especially with sports teams, it's just right along that same alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's very promising for them. And I remember week one of last year, they had a coach, uh, Kirby Wilson, that was his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had an interview in the first week, uh, and I honestly thought from that one interview, I was like, this is this guy who's getting fucking hyped up, you know, he's getting hyped up with the with the uh, with the reporter that was there on live television. And I was like, he's the man. Yeah. And, and he was just dog shit. Like, he was a horrible coach. <laughs> like, he was just. <laughs> <laughs> Dog, I do want to say though, and they already have the foundation in place in that defense. Yeah, a good foundation in any football organization or franchise is starting with the defense. And I know that, especially being a Bears friend, Bears fan, but it's already there for you guys, and it's it's a solid foundation. Yeah, and they just need to build an offense, and 
maybe get a better play caller in there for sure. For, for at least the offensive coaching staff and, and definitely some new playmakers yeah. hey, for wide receiver. I was just on some Facebook group going back and forth with some Bears fans the other day. The downfall of Lovey Smith's tenure with the Bears was not being able to... And you can almost argue with whether or not it's his fault, but he wasn't able to bring in an offensive coordinator to come in and call the right plays. And at the same time, his quarterback was Rex Grossman, yeah. which... Shout out to him. I mean, I'm never going to hate the guy. He got us to the Super Bowl and he went to the University of Florida. But it's rest fucking Grossman. And you can kind of say that Troy Williams comparable to, to Rex Grossman. If not a little bit better, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. You know, a little know. bit more athletic. He has that. He has the intangibles. Like He has that dog in him. Rex Grossman didn't have that dog in him. Yeah. Troy Williams has that dog in him. You never know. I mean, in this league, can refine that. But know? and I would just what I'm getting at is I would just hate to see that be the downfall of Ray Horton and this coaching staff of the of the Pittsburgh Maulers as well. So, I honestly I think you hit it right on, right on the head. It's pretty much just completely up to getting that offensive coordinator slot filled and getting a good play caller in there and getting the right plays called. And other than that, there's really not much else besides, in my opinion, offensive line and maybe receiver that you need to really yeah. address. Definitely, like, left left guard. Get John Dyson out of there. Yeah, get John Dyson out of there at all costs. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I someone really pay this man to retire. <laughs> like, actually pay him to stop protecting quarterbacks. Give him to the XFL, bro. No, no, no. I said, like, pay him to retire. Nah, like, he, pay, like, pay him to... He's honestly a, a criminal for letting people get injured like the way he has, bro. Pay him double to play for the XFL. Yeah, I pay him double for yeah, bro. <laughs> Allow forty-five sacks in ten games next year. But um, no, but in general though, like, did you want to gra- get into your bets real quick? You were you went twelve and nine. Yeah, I'll get them all pulled up, and I'll go week by week. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I wish one thing I wish to see. I really do hope to see. I don't think it ever will happen, or if it is, and I just don't know what outlet to use, please let me know. But just player props and future betting for the USFL, I would love to see. Because right now, it's just spread over under money line. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much what I was limited to. Um, but to start out, week seven, like we touched on, was my first week in the league. Went 2-1 and one that week. Uh, missed the first game, bet on the last three. And it was just money line and over under spread. Started out playing it simple. Um, next week, I had four bet, four bets placed for all, and then went two and two that week. Uh, followed that up with, uh, I'm sorry, I went three and one that week. So after the first two weeks, sitting pretty good at five and two. Yeah. Um, okay. After week nine, sort of dipped a little bit, went one and two. That was the first losing week of the season. So I mean, first three weeks in. And week nine was week. weird. Week nine yeah, was a weird was a week. Very weird. I mean, oh, that's before I forget. Even the first two weeks, bro. That's when Josh Love threw those four picks, bro. Week seven, I was half a point away from going perfect on my first week. Remember that? Because I had placed the bet on my bookie for yes. the over-under for that game. And it changed by half a point. And it changed by half a point. It was different on the app and everything else. And wow. the I had I had bet the over for 43 and a half. And it ended up changing to 44 and a half <laughs> last second. Wow. Or it ended up changing to 44 last second or some shit like that. And the... Because then the total score ended up being 44 fucking points. Mm. It was... Mm-hmm. Could have been undefeated in that yeah. first weekend if the then, bookie didn't then change Even the week shit. after that, um, one of the spreads I missed was by like a point. And so it just... Like I said, overall, it was a success. But there was a little bit of bad luck in there, you know. But overall, like I said, just week by week, 
Um, it was just sort of easy to tell the over-unders more than anything else, in my opinion. You can try to argue the money line as well, but it just depends on certain teams. Like, the Stallions is one team I always just bet the money line on, mm. and they didn't let me down once. But if it was a game where I knew the Maulers were playing, I would tend to bet the under. Yeah. Especially if they were matched up against the Showboats or yeah, one I of those agree. other lesser teams or the Generals the gamblers, or something like that. Even, the though the, even though the Maulers Generals last game didn't really live up to that, but... Yeah. What a game that was. No, that was... That dude, was probably the best game I watched. It's it's weird that, you know, the Northern Division overall record-wise sucked, but they had better games all year. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you saw the Maulers versus the Stars at 37-31. Yeah. That was the best game I watched all season. Stars versus the... I mean, I had a small sample size, stars, but... Uh, and then, yeah, no, the Stars versus the Generals. Always and, Every which time they face. those guys fucking hate each other. And then, I'm not saying there's not rivals in the South or anything, but like... In the North, there was, like, four fucking, like, mm-hmm. jaw-dropping games this year that was going to, like, potentially OT. And then, then you look at the Northern Division Championship game. It went to fucking OT, the first OT game, game of the game. season. And, you know, maybe we were sleeping on the North all year. Maybe it was just very fucking competitive. Like, it, it was going to go either way any week mm. up there type shit. So, like, that's why their record well, sucked. I don't think we were Marshall sleeping on it. If you compare it to the South, because, like we said, any team in the South is going to be any team in the North. And I was kind of consistent throughout the year. It was. But within that division, it was just so competitive. It was. You know? And they are all just so good within it. Th- I think the stat line for the, the North versus the South was 3-13 and 13 after the season. They only won three games versus the South, the North did. That's fucking terrible. And I think it was, like, the Stars won two yeah, of them. Yeah, I understand. I wonder if two of those came from one team or if it was all spread out. Because the Stars beat... The Showboats week one, 27-24, and that was a fun game. But Yeah, I'm sure the Stars definitely won one more game against a Probably the Gamblers or something. Like We can probably dive into that a different episode. But like in general, winning season on the bets, and I'm sure season three, it's we're going to come out better. swinging. Yeah, you know it's going to be even mean? better, even easier. I'm going to have a lot more of a gauge on the league where it's at, different players, teams. And make sure everyone is following the Instagram at Tea Time Reports. Like we have a whole highlight reel, reel dedicated to the bets and uh, for any sport. So just stay tuned in for that, and just make sure you're checking out the story um, and uh, just staying updated in that regard. If maybe you want to follow, potentially win some some money based on obviously opinions. We're not encouraging you, but if you'd like to use Brandon's picks, like that's always an option for yourself. But overall, just based on what you saw. Brandon, and then Caden Knight. I don't think I ever asked you your rating out of 10 for this season, but what would you give it out of 10, Brandon? Like, the league, the production, the quality of play, the the logos, the fucking uniforms, everything involved, the whole equation. What would you what would you give it a, out of 10? Fuck, if, that's, that's hard. Once you really take everything into account, I would give it 8.5. And, and that's only, only because... I don't like some of the logos of some of the jerseys mm. and the whole venue situation, which I understand is a very complicated and complex yeah. situation. Yeah. And there's so much that goes into it, but, and I, it's only going up from here. They, they only continue to keep making progress and who knows five years from now, it's a completely different discussion, but I just hope to see it continue to go on that path. But like I said, for what it is now, I still have to take it at that and there's just a different element that's missing from 
every game. Because you still have it with some games that play, or in some teams that play in their home stadium, but it's not every game. And that's always yeah. just an element that you're missing as a sports fan, especially someone like myself that loves going to sporting events. Yeah. I've been going to sporting events as long as I can remember. Just at the Rays game on 4th of July. Um, Shout out Rays. For real. Even though we're on a seven-game losing streak. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Yeah, this, this All-Star break can't come fast enough. We'll have to get a, a Rays episode out of the All-Star break for, sure. for some coverage there. But for sure. Continue. Um, however, I would just I would like to see more of that going forward. Hopefully, starting next year, we can see it. Um, even as soon as year four, we can see a new, a new venue for a home team playing in their home state. Um, but yeah, just, it's that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's no, the no. only reason that it's an eight and a half. If you take out the venues and the whole logos and colors and jersey schemes, which is all just subjective, it's a ten out of ten for me, honestly. But like I said, I was able to dive into every aspect, whether it's player, coach, general manager, production, commentator, even Jake Butt on the fucking sidelines. Yeah, and shout out to Jake Butt. This this is one thing that is so unique about it that I really do love is. Jake Butt and what they do is on the, as sideline reporters interviewing the players right after a play happens, right after they get a strip set, right after they score a touchdown, right after they make a play, they'll go right over to them on the sideline, on the bench. They're out of breath still, which gives it a little bit of a, I mean, some people might not appreciate it, but it gives it more of a real, authentic feeling, you know, mm. you're in the moment. It's a more beautiful type of thing, you know, mm. and you get to sort of experience the player's emotion firsthand right off and they still have the, all that adrenaline you know rather than interviewing them after the game mm-hmm. where they might not have that adrenaline they might not have that same emotion it's just not the same you get a little bit more out of it you know yeah. it's just something that's a little bit more unique interactive and it's something that is not really changing the game but it's new to the game that the NFL doesn't do you know and that's, that's there's a lot of that in the USFL whether it's the overtime rule or the kickoff rule or the fourth and 15 for the possession play yeah, the possession yeah. play and it's just something different it introduces you to new things and they're just doing it to try it you know and it and potentially it it makes the it game better yeah and, and and like you said fresh there's always a layer being added to football mm-hmm. like you said then and, and this is a perfect example of that and you know we could sit here all day and talk about like you say these subjective things about these leagues and compare them and nitpick them try and pin them against each other me personally, I'd like to see all these leagues thrive and mm-hmm. find fandom, but um, that's just not always going to be the case. But as of right now, I think, like you touched on, I think it's in a good place. It just needs to address that hub city, hub hub system issue mm-hmm. that they're probably going to run into if they continue it um, for longer than year three. But from what I'm understanding, there's only going to be I think about two teams getting moved to their home. States, so I'm thinking by year four, all these teams will be in the respective places, and then we'll potentially get an expansion, which the league will need because they need a longer regular season and more playoff implications, and just more talent to be acquired. Yeah. You know, and that's never a bad thing. With Caden, go ahead and get into your rating for season two. You've been watching these mm-hmm. games with me for two seasons now. Yeah. What do you think for all the people out there? What's the league grown from? Mm-hmm. And what does it look like to you now? You know, I'm gonna go with uh, an 8.5, but uh, I do. I have seen. I have seen the growth in the venue problem. You know, went from last season just being in Birmingham, and you know the next season they immediately did some at least something about it and moved into a hub system. But uh, again, it is still a hub system, and you know some the teams don't have individual stadiums. 
which I would I would I would enjoy that more, but uh, I fully understand why they don't. And uh, another another reason why it brings it down for me is uh, just you know, some of the catching problems and some of the, just the regular play to play problems that wouldn't happen in a more professional setting. But uh, all in all, this is a great league. It's one of the best, uh, if not the best, spring leagues I've ever seen, I've ever watched, and. Yeah, no, I think you. I think you pretty much said it all. Well, I, I actually just got the stat on Magoo on Twitter for the playoffs this year. He averaged three hundred fifty and a half yards, four and a half touchdowns, completing thirty nine of fifty six passes. That's over two games. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he had seven hundred yards, nine touchdowns in two games, completing thirty nine of fifty six passes. The best modern USFL quarterback, and then you even look at Jamar Smith. Jay Marshman, yeah, Marshman, talking about one of those games was, was against the Mahler's defense. Yes, which is scary because that was the best one in the league, and they put up a good fight earlier in the season, um, 24-20 loss against the Stallions. But um, I think we, I think we've seen the best modern spring league quarterback, and mm-hmm. Alex Magoo yeah, in the past yeah. two years. Um, people can argue Jordan Te'amu, Luis Perez, but even in the XFL, they underperformed s- severely. Compared to what they were doing in the uh, USFL, would love to see Perez. I would love to see something where they sort of do somewhere the winner of the USFL and winner of the XFL plays each other. People have been talking about this, and they want mm-hmm. they want a spring um, spring league like bowl game, like a like, UEFA Super Cup. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they want to bring in like the IFL because the IFL just combined with the XFL. They're doing their mm-hmm. combines together, so the indoor football league is now. Kind of, I think might merge or something might happen there, um, but I think it's just because they need some hostile takeovers for some fucking revenue. Yeah. But I mean, we're seeing ESPN kind of plunder right now. Um, but right now, I'm seeing Fox not do too bad. They're making smart decisions. I would uh, be interested to see if there's a new uh, like a, a new sports media network that comes out within the next five to ten years. Well, I mean, that I might rival something sports. like that. Might be uh, yeah, tea time yeah. reports. It might be tea time reports. I'm report. thinking yeah, that might that. that might be what it is. Someone and, told me about this podcast in tea time. Reports. <laughs> oh, sounds like a very well informed chap. Yeah, so. no, it does. I think, so. it does. I think everybody on there knows their, knows their stuff. But is there anything else you guys wanted to get into in this USFL kind of stat? Um, there yeah. any any big. Big names or any other shout outs you wanted to list out or anything? Shout out to Frank, Frank Munda. Shout out to uh, okay, Case Frank Lucas. Ginda, bro. Uh, Frank Ginda, the best linebacker in the league for two seasons. Trey Quinn, you know. Trey Quinn for sure. Darius Victor. Darius what? Victor. Darius Victor. Terry Poole. Trey Dorsey. Of, uh, weird spell today. Yeah, you're you're Terry Wright. And they didn't Terry even, Wright. Yeah. They didn't even hear the bloopers at the start, man. I'd like to see Cyril Grayson come in for for anything possible. Henny, uh, Isaiah Henny, who's just no. you know it deserves you know I Justin I want with Hall. all my heart for him Justin to get Hall. a call, but you know if he makes a name for himself for the Maulers, I'd love that even what's more. That, what's that that guy? Uh, Levi. Uh, oh, uh, Levi Bell Levi for Bell. the for the Michigan Panthers, the highest graded PFF Michigan Panther. He was a draftee. Um, of the of the, of the so PFF draft. does grading for the yeah. NFL. That's dope. <laughs> and they That's dope. Dude, they had some really cool um, like discussions. And obviously Alex Magoo was the highest graded PFF player, I believe, for the Stallions. But uh, Derek Dillon, T- 
to CJ McCulloch to uh, there's so many guys Greg Reeves Jr. Uh, I could go on and on John Atkins fucking yeah. Toby Johnson fucking Paris Ford um, Shalom Luani fucking so many fucking guys and bro shout out to Luani for being the best safety in the league I I, I can attest to that but uh, there's so many safeties I mean Tarpley Tornadin fucking dude I can go on I, I, I can go Stephen on Stephen Luani brother He's a hard hitter. He's a ball hawk. He he should get a call up. He's just a little undersized, but he's a dude, he should knock made, you out of your fucking pads. He should have made that uh, all US swell team. He should have, yes, but not. was it Manny Bunch made it over him? Manny Bunch did make yeah. it over him, but he was very good this season as well. I think he might get a call up as well. But uh, definitely shout out to CJ Marable for the love on yeah. threads, though. I, I know you touched on that earlier, but that was pretty cool that he gave us a follow. Former uh, former Tulsa Carolina running back. And from from Zone Six, East Atlanta. Mm. You know, I mean that guy. He, he's Atlanta just got like uh, I don't know if it was voted or named or who has to say or whatnot, but it's like the best rap hub in the entire country. I can see that, bro. That that sound that comes out of there is insane. But also like just the dog mentality mm. that comes out of there is also yeah. just prevalent, and you see that in CJ Marable who. I think we all can kind of agree that he is that shifty, yeah, you know, pass catching back that could be a threat on an NFL team in real game time. In real game like time. you, I, I see guys his size yeah. with his speed playing on NFL Sundays. Mm-hmm. Just Why can't he? Yeah, seriously, just little flat routes and have him, you know, be like do screens. You know, there's so many options. You know, and I, so many guys in this league are going to get a call up this season because there's some good quality football overall, in my opinion, better than season one. Caden touched on it. The drops, they're a little, they're a little prevalent, mm-hmm. and you know they're there, but they're not as bad as they were season one. Yeah. The kicking is the one thing that improved the most. Yeah, it did. the kicking was fucking horrid in season one. It was, really it was fucking terrible. Yeah. The punting, well, dude. I mean, Je- Je- Jeff Fisher didn't even get a punter, bro. He oh, just wow. he he refused to have a punter on the roster. No, scratch that. Scratch that. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm cr- incorrect. He had a punter. He didn't have a kicker. So his punter was kicking field goals, and dude, he was like, I don't even know his number, but it well, was I mean, really that goes to show that for my seven-week sample size, one of the things I said that stood out to me was the kicking. You know, it, it's Whether so it was much better. Aguilar or Blewett or Audrey now going to the NFL already. I mean, it's it's, it's noticeably better, but um, anything else you guys wanted to touch up on? or? But I, I, we really appreciate everyone out there for tuning in. and. Um, hey, I got one thing to say. Every single podcast episode I'm on for the rest of my life is now dedicated to Neil Collins. Mm. Ooh, shout out to Neil Collins. Shout out to Neil Collins, indeed. 3-0. We are going to be getting into here pretty shortly, um, but uh, everyone out there that's listening, and whenever, wherever you're listening to this, uh, shout out to you, and have a great day, night, morning, uh, evening. Brunch. Brunch, you, you never Bunda. know. Bunda, maybe, uh, but uh, you know, maybe not. You know, but yeah. just have a just have a great one, and we hope you enjoy listening to this USFL content. Are you um, are you saying that you want our, our Bunda? Uh, you want our, want our viewers? To I don't even know Bunda? what you've been saying this entire episode. <laughs> you to said tell you want our viewers truth. to have bad Bunda. Mm, mm, yeah, no, you, you said maybe not. Okay. You said maybe not. How could, maybe not. How could you say that about our viewers? But, yeah, thank you everyone out there for uh, your support. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Tea Time Reports. And there's going to be a USFL offseason coverage and stuff like that. But it just won't be weekly. So if you are a USFL fan, just 
follow our social media accounts. There'll, there'll be consistent content on there. So take care, everyone. This is Trevor, Brandon, and Caden. We're signing out. Peace.